We continue to get to know some of the breakthrough talents heading into 2022 with big goals with another doubleheader, this week featuring Denmark's Albert Kjær Pedersen and Brazil's Miguel Hidalgo, both of whom made a big splash in the Huatulco World Cup last year and can reflect on memorable 2021s. Our first 50 minutes are in the company of Albert Kjær, a fearless runner and World Cup winner for the first time in that Mexico race last year and well set on an exciting trajectory in the sport both individually and as part of the Danish mixed relay team that only narrowly missed out on qualification for Tokyo 2020. Albert, welcome to the World Triathlon Podcast. How and where are you? Thank you. Um, I'm good. I'm just sitting back home in Denmark um, in my apartment in Aarhus. Um, yeah, and just came home from swim practice. <laughs> and just back from a training camp. Where was that? Um, at Club La Center. I'm yeah, sorry, you're going to have to say that again. There in the sun and it was just... It was just nice to get a little bit away from the cold and uh, rainy weather. <laughs> Where was it? Sorry, I didn't catch the name. At Club La Santa, Lanzarote. Oh, right. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, an amazing place for uh, just being able to have sort of 20 degrees and sunshine in the middle of winter, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, <laughs> and there were so many Danish athletes there, so it was just nice to go. Right, yeah. Did you mm. find there was like half the triathlon world was doing the yeah. same thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. Danish triathletes or, or other you know from other sports as well cyclists runners and so on or is it um, triathletes right mostly yeah it's pretty much a triathlete takeover mm. <clears throat> so I think the last time I saw you we were collectively getting lost in Huatoco airport or Mexico city airport <laughs> <laughs> It was a confusing place um and looking back on you know on on that race and would you say you know obviously it was it was your first world triathlon cup win um and you've been on a like i said in the intro there like a, on a long trajectory to to where you are now but as far as sort of your most complete race would you say that that was that was up there with with one of your best performances mm, yeah yeah, I think it was one of my best performances because um, it was just a nice day. I didn't expect it and it was also uh, pretty warm, but it was, yeah, it, it was just, everything just, yeah, everything played for me that day. Yeah, it all clicked. Mm. And there was a lot, there was a lot on the line, obviously a lot going on around it um, with the Olympic qualification and so on as well. So, which after you know the sort of I guess disappointment of the Lisbon mixed relay qualification where it was sort of touch and go and obviously we'll come to that in a bit but um in an interesting sort of period for the sport and everyone sort of one eye on Tokyo quite nice for you yeah did you feel like the, the pressure was off a little bit and you could just get out there and, and do that kind of performance in a place that you, you hadn't raced there before either had you no, um, the national coach actually told me I was pretty close to the Olympic qualification because of the um, um, the wild roll down. Yeah, exactly, and um, therefore he told me if I made a good performance, maybe I could, maybe if I was lucky and everything just played, then I could go to the Olympics. So I was just thinking, okay. I definitely have nothing to lose, but I have everything to win. I just have to do my best. And then it was really, then it just went <laughs> really good. Um, so I was thinking, okay, now I have done everything I can. 
and I can't do anything more. So fingers crossed and I hope I will go to the Olympics, but I didn't go. But yeah, it was okay. But when I what when I was watching the Olympics, then I was uh, then I really wanted to go anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. So in the end, you weren't quite the sort of the next person in line, were you? I don't think there was one other there as well. But you were points wise, you were incredibly close at the end of all that, were you? Yeah. And obviously, you know, part of that was the unfortunate injury, right? So you missed out a big chunk of that the first half of the qualification period yeah um knowing what you know what you needed to do that I mean that's got to be one of the most frustrating times to, to pick up a, an injury what what was the what was the problem and, and is that kind of completely dealt with now are you firing on all cylinders yeah I had the injury and we didn't know what it was for like three years I think three and a half oh, right. actually it was whereabouts I just had a lot of pain in my leg and it was getting worse and worse for every year and we was only the left leg and um it was just um the pain was just i couldn't see or i couldn't tell exactly what it was or exactly how it felt it was just weird and was mm -hmm. really hurting but when i stopped training or stopped doing competition for like two or three minutes then the pain was gone and I could run away <laughs> run again or bike again right. or swim again yeah so it was really confusing and really um annoying but then we figured out that it was the blood flow to the leg that was mm. um only 60 percent so I got the surgery in November 2019 and then the Olympic qualification period was always uh, halfway <laughs> mm -hmm. but then I got the surgery and uh, the coronavirus came so the qualification uh, period stopped and I was like okay maybe if I have to be really patient and um, trust in the process maybe I can go for the last part of the period when it opens up again and um, yeah I did that and it was just nice <laughs> with no pain in my leg and there it's just good now so it's right so yeah so after that obvious that you know presumably fairly um <clears throat> set recovery period that they said that you know you've had the operation now just do nothing probably for a, a while right but yeah. but then straight after that yeah those first those first sessions where you were coming back and and not feeling the pain that you'd had for three and a half years that must have been pretty good moment yeah really good but in the in the first couple of the um training sessions i actually had the same pain but then it was just getting better and better and better i think it was just the blood flow all in the in. The, the leg it was just not working that good but then it got better and better and better and then like i think it was eight months later it was just no pain anymore right yeah yeah so was it, you know, is it something that the doctor, did they say it was a pretty uncommon thing? How do you treat something like that? Is it about opening up arteries or veins or? Yeah, I, they took a vein from my left arm and then uh -huh. they opened the artery in the, in the leg and then mm. cut it up and um, took out the, there was some endofibrosis inside the, the artery, artery mm -hmm. and then it, yeah. the vein on and then it was fixed i think wow. 
Yeah, <laughs> but it was one of the first time the Danish doctor had to do it. So I was like, oh, please, you do it good. <laughs> mm. So you were a guinea pig uh, on top of everything. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah, we, you know, we've done a couple of these sort of ones to watch interviews already. Um, talking to, spoken to Chase McQueen and, and Emma Lombardi and Chunga Lehman and a, a reoccurring topic is actually patience for, for different reasons. You've already said, you know, you had to obviously exercise a lot of patience in that recovery process when, you know, and, and there was some enforced patience from, from COVID as well that was kind of stopping you probably fortunately getting back to it anyway um and you know for for chase it was it was about kind of waiting for his time to break into the u.s team when there's obviously you know a lot of very strong athletes out there that, that you know you just gotta kind of pay your dues right for you the trajectory that you've been on has been i suppose you could say like a bit more classic in that you were obviously identified very early on as a talent, you know, Nanjing Youth Olympic Games 2014, right? And and you can sort of see that that progression and you've been obviously dedicating to triathlon for a very long time. And even, you know, at the age of 16, you were already Danish champ, national champion, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure, but I think pretty early. Yeah. yeah. So... Mm -hmm interested to hear those those first for example Nanjing must still be a very kind of strong formative memory for you you were 16 presumably like how long had you been doing triathlon at that point and for a 16 year old how massive was qualifying for a youth olympic games it was really really um a big experience and I, w I had been doing triathlon for two or three weeks no years <laughs> Jeez, that would be yeah. <laughs> years I mean <laughs> um um yeah so when I was qualified I was it was one of my first um international competitions the qualification event mm -hmm. and then I got qualified and I was yeah, it was just unexpected, but really nice. <laughs> and we went there. I, I was going with my coach at that point, and he's still my coach, actually. <laughs> and my um, training partner is Emil Hilang. Mm -hmm. He stopped now, but he was really good in, um, early on. Um, so we went there, the three of us, from the same city in Denmark <laughs> to the Olympics, or youth olympics in nanjing and it was just yeah pretty wild yeah pretty wild <laughs> mm. and and the so the qualification event was where it, i think it was in in Vert, Vert in, yeah. in the netherlands right yeah. so that was your first time racing outside of denmark yeah i think i was uh, really excited about it i was not i'm still not the best swimmer but i was even worse at that point um and um i was one of the last out of the water and then i catched a big groove on the bike and then on the run i was uh, doing the fastest split i think i i won the qualification event so 
from being the last one out of the board or one of the last ones and then finishing in the first first place so that was really nice yeah wow and mm. and then from there to Nanjing so you yeah you left Vert uh job done there and then what was that just earlier in so it was 2014 was the Nanjing yeah, I think it was in May or June or something and the Youth Olympics was in August because I had to do I have to go for high school um just I had to start for high school when I got back home um and I missed the first two weeks of high school and then um, the teacher took me aside and she told me oh about what uh, I I want to talk a little bit about uh, with about you with um with not being in school, why haven't you been here? And I was like, oh, sorry, I've been at the Youth Olympics. And she was like, oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> Don't worry, just go ahead. You're good. All right. Can you come yeah. and tell us about that? Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. Meeting your fellow students for the first time and having that story to tell, right? I mean, was was a big part of that just also the, the pride of pulling on the Denmark uniform for the first time, wearing the red and yeah. Mm, yeah. It was, you're not that old. I was pretty young, I think. Um, it's still an honor <laughs> to wear the Danish suit. In, in the world of, of Danish triathlon, who, who are the figures that you look up to? Um, you know, Hella Fredriksson was a London 2012 Olympian, right? Uh, long distance world champ. But um, yeah, you were obviously, like I said, national champ many years ago as a, as a young and so perhaps you know Danish triathlon was it was it more was the men were the men generally stronger or was there were you just kind of rising to the top very quickly and there was in fact a, a, a quite a large pool of Danish athletes as well or I actually talked with my sister about that question about the um, uh, idols and that stuff but I'm not uh... I haven't had like one idol or one person I was looking up up to, but I have been more, I get inspired by a lot of people on different parameters, I can say. <laughs> yeah, so um, I could get inspired by one people or one person um, for triathlon or the swim part or how you behave to other persons or how you're doing your study or how are you being acting like a girlfriend or boyfriend and that stuff so I don't have like one person but I just get inspired by a lot of yeah by a lot of, by a lot of people I think yeah but I haven't I've always been studying beside triathlon so I think triathlon has been more like a free space or something like that for me so it's um yeah, it doesn't, it had, it hasn't felt the, my whole world at any part of my life. It's just, I have both. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so you're still studying uh, dentistry as well, right? Mm -hmm. So from, from that first weeks of high school that you missed for the Nanjing Olympics to, to now, you're still juggling the two. <laughs> has, it, has it got any easier? No, <laughs> it's only getting harder, <laughs> but it's okay. We have, um, in Denmark, we got paid to study. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so it's okay. And we have like 
some I'm studying at the Aarhus University and we have something called Aarhus Elite Sport. It's yeah, they help us combine the sport and study. So we can always just call them and say, oh, I need your help for this. And then they will help us also with the exams. And um, if I have to be at a competition or something like that, and we have some some on the study we have to be at, then I can go anyway. Right. Yeah, <clears throat> they can always help. So that's nice. So you get that like flexibility of, right, I need a bit more time because of this or that or the other. Yeah. As long as the reason is good, presumably. Then... Yeah. And I'm only studying half part. Yeah. Part-time. Yeah. Yeah. Part-time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, at what stage are you in your <clears throat> dentistry studies? How long have you got left? Um, I have one and a half year till I get bachelor and then I need the master as well oh right <laughs> a lot of time yeah <laughs> so get the bachelor's done and then the master's could come a little further down the line to just yeah is it something that yeah are you could you say like you know you're as passionate about that as you are triathlon obviously <laughs> two very different things but you know it's something that that excites you that yeah and I think maybe it helps to me to um, look forward for a training session because then I can just put the study away and then I can go out for training. And then when I have trained and I have to sit down, it's just fine because when I sit down and study, I'm not good at, at relax and sit down or be in the sofa and that stuff unless it has a purpose or something. So it's, yeah then it's good for me to study beside because then I sit down and relax and then I'll be ready yeah. for the next session. Well, what a good, I think that's probably a good philosophy, a good message for other people in your position. It's that's very, cup is half full. It's like, right, I've, I've done training. Now I can appreciate being able to just sit and study and vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I just come to school and then I say, oh, I'm really looking forward to sit down today. <laughs> and then we just sit down for four hours. <laughs> mm. And so, and studying will, will that just kind of stop at some natural point anyway in early summer? And then you'll have, you have the summer off. Is it, or does it not really work like that if you're? I think the final exam will be mid-June. So actually it will be at the same part same time as Leeds and Montreal, that part mm. of the season. So it's really not nice, but I will figure out. Yeah. So normally we have um, holiday July, August. Yeah, July and August. Yeah. Yeah. It'll work itself out basically. Yeah, it will work. Yeah. We'll figure out. <laughs> we, were still, we were talking to Taylor Nib uh, a good few months ago and she I don't know if it was after Yokohama or she won the race, got straight on the plane and then just had to work the entire flight back home to then sit an exam the next day when she got in for, you know, similar thing. It's, uh, I guess when you know you've got to do it, then you just got to get through it. Right. And it almost focuses the mind. <laughs> but that's a good part about airplanes because you can get disturbed by your mobile phone or anything like that. You can just sit down and then, write or read <laughs> yeah, yeah focuses the mind a bit doesn't it You're right so if if you know triathlon is only part of your world 
what how do you sort of motivate yourself to to get out there and do the training day in day out and and keep that ticking over most of the time I have uh, other people to train with so both triathletes and runners and swimmers and that stuff and sometimes my sister wants to go as well so that's just cool Mm -hmm. Um, and it helps me a lot but I always also like to go just by myself it's okay just to get yeah to get out in the nature I'm not that huge fan of a home trainer right and the treadmills and that stuff I just like to go outside and get the yeah and see the nature and get wet if it's rainy and it doesn't matter I'm just yeah going outside getting away from everything else and just go out (laughs) so as far as your sort of early pool swims in the morning then is that you said that's possibly your your sort of weakest of the three so are you just like as part of that just motivated to to improve as well and to feel like you can leave that session knowing that you've made a, a bit of a step forward mm. it's oh I think it's I think it's funny about that because um my biggest point is the swim and I like to go swimming but it's always also hard to go swimming sometimes because you know it's your weakest point you know so it's both motivating to get better but it's also hard to go there because you know you're not that good at it so it can be yeah that's challenging I think where I always like to go for a run I haven't been out running and then thinking oh today I don't want to right it just I love I love running but swimming is more like I have to oh I have to do it now (laughs) but I was I will always do it but it's sometimes more hard to go, go there because I know that I'm not the best one and so you, you say you had the same coach for, for years, literally since you mm-hmm. were sort of yeah teenager. Um, and presumably that's something that he's been working on there for, for what, like seven years you've been working together then or a bit more? Um, a bit more. Hmm. Well, since Nanjing. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Nine, before that. Yeah. Nine years, I think. Ten years. Yeah. A long time. And and what's his name? Just so we, you know, give him a little. We've got to give him some shout out. Um, Boris Bulba. Okay, I won't try and spell that. No, <laughs> two different ways to pronounce. <laughs> um. So, and he does he work with any of the other Danish national team members as well? Only me, but he had been trainer for um, Andrea Schilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. before he get uh, in the un- junior years right yeah okay so and presumably you know he's he's been working on the swim then yeah do you, you know is it is it something that you feel the progress is has been steady rather than you've not had any kind of eureka moments and just sort of oh yeah this is this is kind of really um that's the hard part with swimming because i think it's just a little bit progress every year but not that big um no big leaps yeah yeah exactly but then at the end of a year like last year you must be able to reflect and and feel like you know overall 
to, to be able to have a season like 2021 and that first World Cup win, the under-23 World Champs going really well, getting consistent World Series starts. Mm. And there I was really motivated to get better swimming. Right. And I'm still, I'm still motivated for that. So I, um, I've started to train with them. Uh, we have Aarhus is like a big city in Denmark. We have a swim team here and I just started to swim with them and see maybe if that can help. Yeah, right. so we will see. And is, you know, what, what is the, the sort of epicenter then of, of Danish triathlon? Where's the, where's HQ? Um, actually, it has, it has been an answer. Right. But, but now it just, um, it's not a center more anymore. It's more like we have a center in Copenhagen and one in Aarhus and one in Aarhus. Mm -hmm. So I live in Aarhus and we have um, some short distance triathletes but mostly long distance triathletes and then there are short and long distance triathletes in Owens and Copenhagen as well so it's more spread out right cool which and is that a result of kind of increased popularity and just wanting to reach out more is you know do you feel like it's very much a sort of a sport in the in the ascendancy that it's it's kind of growing and spreading and more people taking it up in, in Denmark yeah, I think so, especially on the long course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, it's obviously very different from country to country in terms of how things have, you know, someone like USAT or British Triathlon have, you know, big machine behind them. Norway, you know, there, there was obviously a sort of a, a coming together of, of people at a certain point in time that has kind of really taken off. It, Obviously, it's it's a close neighbor, but you know, similar in size and so on as well. I suppose country-wise, do you see do you see Norway as as the sort of the model? Is there a model? Is there? I mean, I'm just thinking back to um, the Lisbon qualification event as well, and get so close to getting three of you at the same time over the line to to Tokyo 2020, and you know, I, I suppose every team needs the, the strength in depth for their squad, basically, don't they? If that, to, if you were going to kind of punch through. So, um, yeah. How do you see sort of Danish triathlon moving forward over the next two Olympic cycles, you know, to Paris, to getting a team on the start line in Paris, for example? Um, we, right now we are a really a small federation for the short distance race. Mm -hmm. So, Right now, we are not that strong, I think, but hopefully there are coming some juniors up and they can help us so we can be a lot more athletes. And um, if some get injured or something like that, it's okay because we have another one. But I hope, yeah. So I hope we'll be or become more athletes um, to do short distance race. Um, yeah and get a more national feeling about it. Maybe go for training camps and stuff like that because it hasn't been arranged for a lot of time now, but we just got a new national coach and I hope he will figure something out and yeah, make a good progression mm -hmm. in the sport for the next couple of years. Right. Yeah, 
right now I think we're really spread out. And so, yeah, I hope he can just collect us all and get us into one bubble <laughs> so we know each other and we can uh, motivate each other and we can help each other at different ways. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess, yeah, Lisbon. So, yeah, for those that just look, thinking back to uh april or, or no may of last year may, yeah. and it was the yeah. tokyo olympic qualification mixed relay race so the top three teams were always gonna automatically qualify uh four athletes for for tokyo um and yeah you guys obviously got off to a great start you had the first leg didn't you um yeah and sif bendix madsen was there um is it emil on the second leg emil on the second leg and Henry Clemson on the last yeah. one. And yeah. so ended up in fifth, I think, didn't you? But, you know, we're, we're sort of certainly in the top three for a lot of that. And, and Henrik took the final leg, but he, he didn't, hadn't had a lot of sort of race practice up to that point, had he? I don't think he hadn't raced for a few years. So, um, yeah. I mean, was it, had you, had you had like a, a you were saying, you know, that as far as a national setup, it, it was all feeling a little bit spaced out a little bit, maybe. But had you had in the build up to that particular race, as far as sort of right, guys, this is the sort of moment. Let's get us four together. Let's try and get this across the line. How how was the build up to that Lisbon race for you all? Um, we had some um, um, we was we were meeting each other at some point in Denmark, like then we have one weekend and we were just all together and then one weekend later and something like that so we were um, more together and more like a team um for that race i think mm -hmm. um and then we were going there and living in not a hotel or anything but we were living in an apartment where we had to make make food um together and we have to yeah stay together like a small family and i think that was really that was really good and it was so nice for uh, for the team so we and we have decided to that we knew everyone was doing their best on the day so even yeah no matter how it went everyone was everyone knew that everyone had did their best <laughs> performance um so we wouldn't judge each other or do anything that was just yeah we just had to go for it and hope that it was enough but it was close <laughs> it was really close yeah i guess that yeah you said obviously watching the tokyo games at home that must have particularly for the relay then as well well no and and for the women's race you know there's there's no doubt you would have been you'd have been up there right and the, the what ifs must have been pretty strong for you watching that back yeah yeah it was in the middle of the night in Denmark in the race and I had told myself okay I okay okay I have to go for I, I think I had to go to school no it was in the summer holiday yeah I don't know but it was in the middle of the night and I had told myself, okay, I can just see it on replay in the morning and I don't want to open my phone or anything, so I don't know the result. But then I was, I couldn't fall asleep and I, I was so excited about it. So I took my, um, um, 
yeah, I just got into the sofa and then I watched it the whole night and it was just, yeah, I was just so excited about it and I was a bit jealous as well, but it was okay. <laughs> it was just nice to see it. Yeah, yeah. And it was obviously, yeah, and it was a great podium, you know, three three great athletes on that podium. And, and also, I guess... <clears throat> maybe perhaps maybe underlined a bit you know you got katie possibly not quite so much georgia and, and flora um who've been hammering on that on that door of those olympic podiums for a long time right and yeah as far as for you that would be hoping to be part of that next generation hammering on the door it's kind of you know there were no like there were in the men's race perhaps like no sort of 22 23 24 year olds able to to punch into that so for you that must have been another like oh okay this 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 door is opening for me here and you know do you, do you kind of keep an eye on those around you coming through like inevitably um and, and something like the under 23 world champs no doubt must must really kind of hammer that home a bit of who else is coming through and the, the sort of level that they're at yeah yeah so the the women's race there are i think they are a bit older than the men's race uh, the ones who wins um yeah so maybe it will be some younger athletes winning in the future but i'm not sure it always change <laughs> the dynamics in the races and uh, i mean i guess hamburg the mixed relay in hamburg then showed again what what you guys are capable of and going to be capable of in the future right so, so yeah tell us about about that and lining up together Hamburg the kind of home of the mixed relay world championships really the spiritual home of and um uh, yeah being able to pull out a podium together does that rank as one of your sort of favorite race experiences to date yeah I liked it a lot and it, I really enjoyed it because it was a team it was not just an individual um performance but it was a team performance and everyone did their very best and it was just we were cheering at each other and we have all of us had family down there because it's so close to Denmark um so it was just yeah that was actually one of the the performances I remember the most and I have always always dreamed of dreamed of uh, having that big adding a glass <laughs> good to so, have a dream <laughs> yeah it was a good day <laughs> nice did you did you pour or did you drink that's the big question did it go over someone or into you yeah actually it went much more over someone than I was expected because I really like to drink it as well <laughs> <laughs> it's big enough to do half and half still get the yeah Mm. all right so that's yeah probably unusually like one of those things that you yeah one of those memories that will stick stick with you then like you know holding that holding a big beer glass at the end of it <laughs> but you know you've done you, you've done grand finals youth olympics um 15 2015 2016 you did the, the grand finals as well right um and with with plenty of faces that that you're still kind of racing with and I suppose it's it's interesting, is it, to think that, you know, so that was seven years ago and 
again not to sort of labor the point but the the patience that you have to have right to just sort of be chipping away and know that all, all being well 2022 will be your first sort of full season if this is the plan is it of of wtcs racing and kind of going all out and and the patience has obviously meant been a result of injury and so on as well but i think the big or the most important about triathlon when you start in a young age is to be patient because mm. you have to do so much training for so much so many years and then you will be maybe at your best at 27 or 28 years so it will be just a, almost a whole lifetime you're just <laughs> yeah doing triathlon so you have to find something um, you have to yeah find a balance where you think it's nice and you get you're getting motivated for a long period um many years yeah so you have to be patient i think mm. <laughs> it's the most important <laughs> but you've also had you know your first wtcs results were really good ones right you know you weren't sort of at the back of the field and being demotivated and feeling maybe you are you know there must be plenty of people that make the jump up and feel a bit out of their depth whereas you were getting you know top 20 easily right 14th in hamburg um 23rd in Abu Dhabi yeah it was thir- 30th in the in the standalone world champs wasn't it um 2020 the only WTCS of that of that year um yeah. and that was your very first WTCS apart from the mixed relays yeah it was a point where I was thinking again okay I have everything to win and nothing to lose <laughs> but now I just have to go out and I know I will uh, um, they will, the other athletes will be so good <laughs> so I just have to do my best and follow as good as I can but it's yeah it was uh, it was nice to try it but it was also a bit hard because you know that you will be finishing like 30 or 40 or 25 or anything like that so it's just in the middle of everything um so i think wts is good to try but you always i had to combine it with the, some european cups and world cups as well so i'm not yeah so it's it wasn't so hard and was edmonton so silver in the under 23 world champs was that your last under 23s are you now yeah so that is <laughs> you know apart from the fact you were obviously doing the WCS at the same time um but I guess psychologically finally saying goodbye to the U23 must be like a pretty pretty big step and and does it suddenly become even more serious is this when you know it's been serious for many years but it's like there's, there's no excuses now this this has to be the, the time where you're, you're plotting towards those first podiums at the very top level. It means a lot to me. Triathlon means a lot to me. But I think I'm, there's a lot of a lot of different things in life that means a lot of a lot to me. So I think um, 
I will always do my best in training and competitions, but if it doesn't work out or if I have a bad day or anything like that, I know I have some good friends and I have a good family and I have a study back home. So then I will just move on and go to the next one. Mm-hmm. It's not, yeah. Yeah, it's not that big in my head, I think. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not thinking, okay, now it's it's now. It's more, I'm thinking, okay, I will do my best and I will, yeah, then we'll see how it happens, mm-hmm. what happens. Um, fantastic. Well, I, I, I obviously we'd, we'd like to sort of do a little quick fire round as well with you of some of these questions that we're asking everybody. Just, are you ready for this? Okay. Your, your your breakthrough race, the one, the race that you walked away from and felt like things had really clicked. Yeah, uh, World Cup Portugal. Yeah. It was, yeah, and it was a senior race. So I think, because otherwise I would say under 23 world champs, but that was under 23. I think this difference, different, yeah. Who would be your perfect training partner for a week and where would you be um actually i think it's my sister i wondered <laughs> because, if you were going to say that after you. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> because um because we can talk about everything <laughs> so it's that's nice um and it will be i think it will be club la center at let's alone where i was in training camp lovely yeah all right nice place excellent biggest inspiration i know you said that there's you know there's not necessarily a single person or thing but um yeah is there anyone you know would you say given it you've had your coach for nine years <laughs> is it him or more i think it's uh nicola spirit because she has is uh, studying law besides mm. and i think yeah i think okay if she can do it i will try <laughs> see if i can do it as well your strengths and weaknesses as an athlete um weaknesses that i don't want to do it do it like the one thing in my life i think that is my weakness um but it's at the same time it's also my strength i think because yeah yeah yeah, some something like that and and uh, you know like you said it's particularly for, for the women's side, it's more like late 20s that perhaps the, the best results come, right? So that, that can change. If you, there can be that moment where you're like, wow, I, I'm, I'm close to absolute magic here and, you know, being the yeah, next. Then I will take and, a year off and then I will just do a triathlon. Yeah. I have, a, I have decided that and I have take, um, yeah, and I've told myself it will be okay to take one year off from school at some point sometime if it's just really doing if I'm doing really well in triathlon so that time will come hope so <laughs> and outside of triathlon or outside of triathlon and dentistry what uh what, what how do you switch off yeah I'm really bad at it actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really really bad at it but um I I think then I will just make some food and invite some friends and then I relax because that's the plan to relax. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Something that people don't know about you. Oh, 
I'm a really open book, I think. <laughs> I'm not good at keeping secrets about myself. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I will tell everyone I meet, I will just tell what I what I have done. Yeah. But yeah, so every every people around me knows me. But okay, maybe maybe I'm not so good at um, asking for help. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. It was a really boring question. No, no. I, well, I mean, but yeah. So, but do you mean you're not good at keeping? You're you're an open book about yourself, but mm -hmm. you're you're also not good at keeping secrets of for, can, of other I, people. Or uh, oh no, no 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 I can I'm really good at keeping secrets for other people, but not about myself. <laughs> <laughs> then I would just tell. It's probably important out there, and yeah. yeah. Um, okay, a top tip for you know a young Danish athlete coming through, maybe. Um, I think I have three answers. Like you have to be patient, and you have to have fun, and then you have to do some small. A competitions or challenging or anything like that in training so um yeah so you can stay motivated for many years um yeah and find someone to train with so keep setting if you keep setting yourself little targets even through training as well as through a season you think that's kind of a good yeah tick that off always measuring yourself against where you sort of feel yeah, you might exactly. be yourself. yeah yeah and be brave enough to try something new. Yeah. Nice. Um, Olympic distance, sprint distance, or arena games, or eliminator format, what would be your... In fact, put them in order of preference. There's four there. Hmm. What about the mix relay? Yeah, you're allowed to put that in as well. Because I really like mix relays. <laughs> I haven't tried the arena games, right? So I don't know about that. But I know that um, I like mixed relay, and I like Olympic distance and sprint distance, and then I think arena games because I haven't tried it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the elimination format? Did you see any of that from Montreal or? or yeah, I would arena? really like to try that as yeah. well. I haven't tried it. I think maybe that will be my number one. Oh, it should be nice. But I'm not sure. Yeah. I haven't tried it, so I don't know. <laughs> it was quite interesting. I can't remember who it was saying. Maybe Martin Van Riel was saying about how you get kind of what to a viewer could look just brutal in that quick turnaround. And he was like, actually, you get a bit addicted to that turnaround and to like go again. And I mean, you know, you guys to varying degrees are all basically addicted to kind of beasting yourselves anyway, right? So it's... uh it's just another layer of, of test and going again and sort of seeing where everyone else is, right? Yeah, and you have to have a plan and uh, use your powers or your strength at different ways and keep some energy, but not keep too much because then you get eliminated. And yeah, I think that will be, that will be fun to try. Is that on your, like how much of your season have you sketched out already? If, or is that going to be, that might be mid exam time, right? If that's going to yeah, be June. It is, yeah. but uh, I have planned most of the season. Yeah. Hopefully. Mm. Okay. So actually that, well, that's <clears throat> my last question. Goals, goals for 2022 and indeed beyond. And yeah, what, what are those 
first start lines you're going to be hitting how's it how's it looking um i will do more wtcs races this season um and i hope to to break more through or to just get more into it and um yeah feel that i belong there mm -hmm. you know yeah have that feeling um and then I just want to start the Olympic qualification period in a good way and yeah not get injured fair enough so actually <clears throat> for you personally is is one of your longer term goals being part of being one of four Danish athletes representing your country on the mixed relay be it yeah. Paris LA but you know that yeah. that is uh, go, go to the Olympic Games in Paris as an individual as well. I yeah. really like that. Yeah. yeah, both as a team as an, an individual. Brilliant. <clears throat> well, it's been great talking to you, hearing all about you and getting to know you a bit better. And um, thanks very much for, for taking the time and coming on. What What is first first race of the year? What have you got lined up? I think European Cup in Melilla, just to get started. And then hopefully Yokohama. Great. Yes. Lovely stuff. First time in Yokohama, right? Yeah, it will be my first time. Appreciate it. Hope the build up continues to go well. And we look forward to seeing you back out there very soon. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We look towards Brazil for the next guest in our series of Ones to Watch podcasts, getting to know a bit better some of the names that could be set for a big 2022 season. Miguel Hidalgo is the 21-year-old setting his sights on a bright future in Brazilian triathlon. Growing up in the interior of Sao Paulo State, he was first and foremost a swimmer, won his first national title aged 15, became a soldier in the Brazilian army, and most recently hit a first World Triathlon Cup podium at Huatolco in June 2021. Miguel, welcome to the World Triathlon Podcast. How are you? Where are you? I'm good, Doug. Thanks for having me. I'm really honored to be here. I'm in the countryside of Sao Paulo, in my parents' house, where I was born. And I'm used to train in the off-season when I'm not in Europe. Nice. Well, I mean, yeah, you just showed me a little clip of uh, the view across the sort of tropical garden there. That looks <laughs> pretty nice. I, Salto is obviously, um, it's a pretty small town though, right? Uh, it's, a, it's a small town. Uh, mm -hmm. really be really better for training than the capital yeah uh, better roads uh, it's countryside so I can start cycling uh, from my house in Sao Paulo we have to put it back in the car so uh, here is a bit better for that yeah so how how has 2022 started for you what's uh, so we're coming to the end of February now what's it what's it looked like so far yeah uh I've been training here. Uh, I raced uh, yesterday uh, yeah. in Chile. I just arrived uh, today and uh, I finished second in the South American Championships in Elite and I won the under 33. So it's a good start of the season. Uh, I arrived in Chile. Uh, I had some problems to get in Chile because of the vaccination. Uh, the government had to has to approve my vaccination and they did it a bit late so i arrived like 9 p.m on saturday and i raced uh sunday at 7 a.m oh so, 
uh, it was quite hard. My legs was quite heavy, but I managed to to finish second. And uh, I think it's 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 gonna be a good season. I hope so. Yeah, well, that sounds like a good sign if you can do that after after that kind of travel. Yeah, it's the first time that happened to me, something like that. But yeah, you know, you have to to manage the situation because maybe this can happen in a more important race. So I just have to to do, do my job of racing everything I can, and I think it, I managed I managed well this situation, and I'm quite happy with that. So uh, yeah, you were there with with some of the other guys on the on the Brazil team. Uh, Messias won the race, and yeah. Diego Moya from Chile took third place. Nice. So a strong a strong field, and presumably the first time that you'd seen some of those guys for a while as well. Was it like first time since the off season? Yeah, it is. Uh, we we know each other very well. Uh, me, Diego, and Messias. I think we we are just. The only South Americans in the top 50 in the world rankings. So we know each other very well. We race a lot together, but in South America. And yeah, so it was a nice race. Yeah. It was after Huatoko that I spoke to you and Manuel or Messias. Is, is, is that how yeah. you, is he referred to mainly by his surname, is he? Yeah, by his first name, but he's known by uh, his second name. So yeah, so you both obviously had uh, spectacular Huatoko World Cups. Um, you like the heat, do you? <laughs> is it safe to say yeah. you prefer a hot a hot race? Yeah, it is. I actually I prefer a non-wetsuit race. Yeah, <laughs> but I think we like we are very used to training in in the, in the heat, so. I think we we suffer a bit less than the Europeans or the Americans, Canadians, because we are used to to training this weather the whole year. So uh, it's not a big deal when you yeah you race in a place like Watuko. No, for sure. Well, or indeed Abu Dhabi, right? I mean, um, that was. Yeah. Well, it, it was that in fact the hottest race that you've been in. I mean, if you're doing a lot of sort of racing in South America and so on, anyway, then presumably you get you just have to tackle whatever temperatures are thrown at you. But it did sound like Abu Dhabi was a particularly hot one, and obviously you produced one of the best races of your career. Would you say? Uh, it was really hot in Abu Dhabi, but I think the hottest race I have ever been was my first elite race. Also in Iwatupu in 2017, uh, almost like four and a half years ago. Uh, uh, fun fact is that it was my first elite race in 2017. It's the same place where I I got on the podium for the first time in a World Cup. So it, it's a quite a special city. <laughs> yeah, good memories in from there. In Abu Dhabi, you're talking about Abu Dhabi, I think. It was mm -hmm. a good race. Uh, I finished the swim like fifth. Uh, but I didn't manage to to keep myself in the first group, and I I did a good run, but I think I could do I could could have done better. But uh, I'm I'm still in the beginning of my career, and uh, I think it was a good race. 
when you, you know, when you race just in South America, when you go to the WTCS level with almost all, all Europeans guys racing, it's a very, di very different uh, type of dynamic in the race, you know? So the, especially the bike is really hard, really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And in South America, we, we are very used to like swim very hard and then uh, just ride the bike easy almost every time. And then it comes to a running race. So when you go to Europe or WTCS level, it's a very different race. So I'm still getting used to it, but hopefully I can improve my results in WTCS in 2022. It's my main goal for the season. Right. Yeah, I guess, is it a, it's a big generalization, but is it an accurate one then that as a, as a general kind of level, the biking in, in Europe is, is like the stronger. We don't have like a big, big aisle to inspire people in cycling and, and triathlon. We have Leandro Macedo and, Manza uh, from the 90s, but I think we need uh, a new idol to inspire a generation, and we are trying to do that, me and Messias, and, and create, uh, and to, you know, to inspire young people to, to, to be pro triathletes, and hopefully we can be like Europe in the future with like three men and three women woman at the olympics would be really nice yeah absolutely and and presumably like the whole experience of rio hosting the olympics uh must have had a a big impact across brazil did it i mean uh i would say not much unfortunately oh really i think it's yeah i think it's pretty much the same uh, uh why do you think that is i mean it was there must have been millions watching it on tv right and the the kind of just the the sheer fact of having an olympics held on south in south america for the first time and that being in brazil i would have, i would have thought that that would have had a big impact on on people yeah unfortunately it was not like uh i think uh, the olympics in london in london then the the years later we saw like alex e and another good, very good athletes but uh, I think it, it still didn't have a, a big impact, the Olympics in Rio. But uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully in the future we can see more athletes representing Brazil in the Olympics. So as a kid um, growing up there, when and you started out as a swimmer, as is still strongly evidenced in your in your racing. Um, yeah. It, when you started to transition a bit more towards triathlon, then if it, if it was still a pretty minority sport, did, did, did people think you were crazy <laughs> or did you get have good support from, you know, from home, from school, how easy it was no, it to make those first no, steps? I had a very good support from my parents because my dad used to compete in amateur triathlon races. Oh yeah. Uh, since I was, uh, since I was really young. And you know, I started swimming with three years old. So I used to take swimming very seriously till I was about 15. Then I decided to race the nationals, youth nationals in 2015 in triathlon. 
mm-hmm. and I won the race, even that I, I was not training much cycling and running. I was pretty much doing like nine swim sessions a week and two running sessions and two bike sessions. And I, I still managed to won the race. So I never won nothing in swimming. <laughs> so, so when I realized I was going to be much better in triathlon, I decided to <laughs> take triathlon more seriously. And then I started you got that first and, taste of victory. And we're like, right, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much that. And then I decided to switch my focus to triathlon. And I started racing internationally just in the year after that. I raced the Pan American Championships in States. And from that, I, I started uh, training in Sao Paulo in my uh, triathlon club there named Pinheiros with another pro athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really young at that time, 15, and I was starting a new sport. Uh, and I raced my first World Junior Championships in Rotterdam in 2017 with a lack of experience, I would say. <laughs> I would say. Yeah. And, yeah. And from that, especially being South American, uh, we struggle a bit more of getting used to that level of racing. So I never, I think I never did a good result in the World Junior Championships. I always, it was like a shock for me because I was not used to, to, to ride my bike so hard in races. And it was like a shock every World Junior Championships. And I started getting more used to it when I started racing elite races in Europe, World Cups, and WTCS. So uh, I started getting used to it. So at the age of 15, like, did you, were you then going to school in Pinheiros as well? Or was Pinheiros like where you would go for doing training camps and so on and, and life in Salto pretty much continued as normal outside of that? Uh, actually, Pinheiros, it's a Olympic sport club there. I think they have uh, 22 Olympic sports there mm-hmm. and then I moved to, to Sao Paulo uh, from Monday to Friday and then I, I always come to my parents house in the countryside on, on the weekends right? because it's better for, for training doing the long sessions especially the long rides and yeah it's yeah. pretty much that so that really was the moment of uh, right. I'm I'm pursuing this kind of full time, like actually moving completely away from home and so on. I mean, yeah, only during the week, but still for a 15 year old, that's in equal parts exciting and uh, quite. I don't know, quite a thing yeah. to have to deal with, no? Yeah, it was quite hard. I moved to a friend's house and. He was a training partner and we was used to train together all the time. And, and then I, it, now I, I'm like, I'm, I'm go, I go to Sao Paulo just on Tuesday and Thursday because I prefer to train here, even that I, I'm alone training. Mm-hmm. Um, but I prefer to be here. I think I sleep better in a small city. <laughs> My sleep is better here, sleep quality. And so I go there just on Tuesday and Thursday. But 
when I'm still not in Europe in the race season. So once the season begins, you then like you would actually be based in Europe, would you? Is that like Portugal or? Yeah, uh, I think I, I didn't decide uh, perfectly yet, but I'm, I'm going to be for like three months in Europe in, in the European summer, mm-hmm. uh, racing, training in racing, uh, mainly WTCS races, but also World Cups. But I, I'm planning to, to go to uh, Sierra Nevada most of the time popular spot right now a lot of people a lot of people heading there right yeah how is that um you know from those sessions in Pinheiros then with the the team and so on and then when you have like decamp to Europe and presumably trained like who are the some of the people that you've trained with in places like Sierra Nevada or or Portugal or what, what have you that um you know, perhaps uh, maybe, like maybe. sessions where you feel like you're you're really just like absorbing lots of new kind of techniques and so on from people. Yeah, m- mainly with the Brazilian team. Uh, in 2021, me and Messia used to train a lot together in, on training camps. He was preparing for the Olympics and I was there helping him. Uh, so it was really good. I was trying to help him with his swimming and I was learning a lot. I was, I was, even that I was helping him, I, I still learned a lot from, from him, especially on running and, and bike. He's a really good runner. So we, we shared some good sessions together last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were talking to Chase McQueen about his, you know, he grew up as a swimmer as well uh and particularly at Leeds and you you know could tell that kind of swimming stroke was a very sort of pure pool stroke uh and he, he and he said you know well maybe I've got like quite a long effective stroke but it's not necessarily a great triathlon swim stroke right there's sort of there's different elements do you do you feel like for example is yours most effective if you've got a bit of clear water and if you're actually a bit if you're stuck a bit further back do you find it harder yeah sure uh that's why i try to always start really hard with a higher cadence i had to to change my my technique a little bit from the pool to the open water uh now i swim with a really high uh very higher cadence mm-hmm. uh but like chase <laughs> said in his podcast uh sometimes when you go to a wtcs race you think that your swim is not going to be enough for the first when you're racing for the first time and i tend to start really really hard and then i i finish the swim regret it a bit (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah and but now i'm starting to learn how to to start not so hard, to not suffer so much in the end of the swim, but definitely I had to change my technique for a higher cadence kind of stroke. And you can also breathe a lot more when you when you go on a higher cadence. So I'm 
I'm focusing a lot on, on my bike because I think it's my weakness on the race. And I think I'm, I, I will only uh, show my, my whole potential on the run when I, I am able to not suffer so much on the bike. From Lausanne 2019, Junior World Champs finishing 30th. Two years later, you're on the podium in a World Triathlon Cup. And that's in a period where there wasn't a huge amount of racing for obvious pandemic reasons. So what do you, you know, what was, what was going on in that time period that was proving to be so effective for you, do you think? I think it was mainly the time of triathlon, basically, because in Lausanne or Rotterdam, I was like in Rotterdam, I was doing triathlon for two years and Lausanne four years. I think it's more like part of the process. You you starting start improving a lot more when you race uh, races like that, and you're getting more used to it. But I, I think it's more like the time of training. Now I have almost seven years doing that, so it's a it's it's quite natural. I I would say. Being able to actually, you just have to be patient. You have to be patient because you know when I, I don't do triathlon since I was a really young kid. I started a bit late, I would say. So I think it's it's part of the process. It's a natural evolution, I would say. Hmm. I think I learned more a lot more racing than training. Right. Actually, I think one race day. You learn a lot more than than training, especially when you train alone. You you don't know if you're doing well or not. Uh, you can compare numbers with another guys and also your numbers on on the bike. But I think when you race a lot more, you 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 start uh, learning how to to actually you learn how to race. I think physiologically. I was I was able to to do really good races in like 2019 or 2018, but I didn't have the that experience to 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 show my whole potential in in races. And I think when you when you race a lot more, you start to to learn how to show your the whole potential you have. You know. Yeah. Yeah, so somewhere like Abu Dhabi, where finished twentieth, is that right? Or yeah, I think yeah, twenty first. Twenty first, but ahead of a Jonas Schomburg, a, a Morgan Pearson, an Aaron Royal, you know, some some big hitters. Heading towards the end of like a a year that you know that Olympic qualification kicking off the following year again, and so on. Then, yeah, that you started to feel like things were, were definitely clicking and that you belong on that WTCS start line as much as anyone else. Yeah, I started feeling that. It was actually Abu Dhabi, I think it was my third WTCS. My debut was in Montreal, where I finished 11th. I think it was three three weeks after Watuku. I was feeling really good there. And, you know, I think... Uh, Montreux was my, I would say, breakthrough race where I started believing that I, I belong to that place. 
uh, I deserve to be there. And before that, I didn't know what, what to expect, really. And when I realized I was like swimming with guys like Richard Varga and Vincent Louis side by side, uh, I realized I, I, I have a good potential to maybe uh, when I prove my bike and running, I can, I can fight for a podium spot maybe in the future, hopefully very soon. <laughs> and is that, so is that Montreal elimination format something you're going to be particularly looking forward to again this season? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm going to be in Montreal for sure. And it is one week after Watopo. And hopefully I can do even better results than 2021. <laughs> I mean, had you had you done anything? Like, I mean, obviously, you've done a, a handful of mixed relays and so on. But um, you know that that short recovery period between races and was was that totally totally new to you? Before the race, I think I've done uh, five to seven sessions simulating the Montreal format, mm -hmm. uh, resting like ten minutes between. So I was quite used to, physiologically quite used to it, but I was doing the sessions alone. So with more people side by side with me, it was quite different. And it was my first WTCS, so uh, lack of experience, it was a, quite a big thing, but I was feeling really good physiologically. But yeah, I think I can, I can prove this result. Uh, in 2022 yeah it, it seemed like a very this this there's obviously things in that format that you can you just can't train for right if you've for example trying to figure out where you are in the field when there's only 10 people going to be progressing and so on um when you've got like a big pack of people coming in and you're not really certain what number you're at that's yeah how do you how do you kind of come around that? Or is it just got to go all out? And if it's, you know, you end up where you end up with leaving nothing out there. Yeah. Uh, I think in, in the second day, in the, the first time, uh, I made a mistake on T1. And then I, I was in the back of, of the pack the whole time. And I finished in the last place to qualify to the, to the second uh, battery and then I finished 11 yeah uh, there's some things that you just learn racing you can train 10-15 times but in one race you can learn a lot more especially when you're not used to race at this level yeah so all right well in that case let's just rattle through some quick fire questions as well um, if your breakthrough race where you stepped away feeling like things had really come together. What, what was the, what's the one that you look back on? Uh, I would say what or Montreal, uh, probably Montreal because it was my first uh, time racing against people. I, I was used to just watching TV. <laughs> so it was really nice when I was finally there, especially being in the front with the big boys almost the whole race. So I think Montreal is uh, quite special, but also Watuko, I would say the, those two races. 
who would well in fact so who who is your biggest inspiration both within the sport and and outside it in sport i would say outside triathlon i'd say Ayrton Senna mm-hmm. uh, for all he represents in brazil uh, i think together with Pelé he's the biggest biggest sportsman in our history because you know the way he raced doing everything he could to win uh, it's so inspiring and even that he passed away 30, almost 30 years ago, he's still a huge idol here in Brazil. And yeah. in sport, uh, I would say Alistair Brownlee, Javier Gomez, uh, Vincent Louis, very consistent athletes. Uh, and I, I had the opportunity to race with them in 2021. So yeah, it was very special to race against them. Uh, against guys I was used to watching TV since 2013. I, I used to watch the, the WTCS season. And when I was racing side by side with them, it was, it was really special. And it was a bit of a last chance saloon, right? With, with Javi Gomez and Alistair now retired, the, the window was small yeah. for you to be able to do that. So that's a good... Yeah, I remember watching uh, those videos of Gomez versus Brownlee and... Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have the opportunity to race with Gomez, but in Arzakena, I raced uh, with Alistair. He was trying to, I think, he's trying to qualify to the Olympics. And it was, I think, I think he was number, start, starting with number 40 and I was 41, something like that. I oh, right, lined and up was, next to him as well. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it was... Yeah, it was really nice. <laughs> he give you any little words of uh, words of wisdom while you were while you were waiting, or you know what what was he like just yeah, in that yeah. in that lineup? I was using the Brownlee Agilis wetsuit, you know, <laughs> and I I was using the Johnny Brownlee's colorway, <laughs> and right before the race, he came to me and he told me like, "You're using the wrong color." <laughs> <laughs> Nice, yeah. You threw in a little curveball, might give him something to think about rather than, yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Azucena. How did how did you, if you was kind of, did you end up next to him on the start line as well, or just in the just in the lineup? Did you were you close to him through that swim? Uh, I was no, just in lineup. I chose a different place. I think. Yeah. But I finished this in Arsakena, I finished the swim, I think, in third. Nice. Um, who would be your perfect training partner for a week and where would you do it? Uh, I would love to 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 train with Elite Keep Chogging in Kenya for, for a week, okay. I would say. I, I love being I love being humbled by single sport athletes because uh, you really you, you have the opportunity to realize how much you can still improve yeah uh, when you train with uh, single sport athletes <laughs> so yeah. i would say that um something that people don't know about you let me think i think that the place i did my first elite race in 2017 it is, is the same place where i I got on the podium in a World Cup for the first time four years later in Watuko. Yeah. Uh, outside of triathlon, what 
what do you do to relax? What pushes your buttons? <laughs> I consider myself really lucky because, you know, when you know you chose the right job, when your job and your hobby is pretty much the same thing. Yeah. So when I'm not, when I'm not uh, training and racing, I like to just ride my mountain bike, having no workout to do. And uh, it's pretty much that. Yeah. Nice. Um, so for anyone, you know, young Brazilian, 12, 13 years old, who's, who's kind of watching you now as well, what, what would be your, what would be your, your tips for, I mean, getting into the sport, but also things that, that you've learned on the way that you have kind of held dear formative advice or, or whatever that, that has, you know, really helped you? Uh, you know, I would say to trust the people you work with, but when it comes to doing a workout, a training session or whatever, uh, do it because you really believe it's going to be good for you. You know, uh, you, I think you always have to trust the things you're doing during the process. Uh, not because you, you do, you know, you do something because you really believe it's going to be good for you, not because someone is telling you that it is good. And I think it's more than a trusting tip is to trust, trust and enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. So yeah, follow your instincts a little bit as well as whatever. Yeah. Telling you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And who have been the kind of key coaches and influences on you over the, over the last four or five years? Mainly my coach because he I work with him. Uh, actually, he was my my dad's coach, and I started work with, work with him uh, uh, before my first youth national national title. And it's my the the only coach I had in my whole triathlon career. Oh yeah. So he knows me a lot. He knows me a lot, and. Uh, What's his name? I think he you have to give him a shout. Marcelo, Marcelo Ortiz. Right, oh, very cool that he coached your dad as well. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, I think uh, he's doing a really good job because he knows me since I was a, a young kid, and uh, he learns with me in the process as well. So it's nice when you you are with someone since you are young, and you know each other very very well, and. Uh, and you know you're faster than your dad ever was. I mean, that's good, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it in Hamburg that you had your first like elite mixed relay experience as well in 2020? It was in 2020, yeah. How? Um, yeah, it was. Because obviously, you know, had things gone slightly differently in Lisbon, I mean, that was a deeply unfortunate situation with the the wetsuit there and yeah it, it was oh. uh i i think i raced uh twice with the with the brazilian team mm -hmm. uh in hamburg was the first time and then lisbon uh but it was a really good experience actually my first individual wtcs was montreal in 2021 but i raced the mixed team relay in 2020 i think we finished 13 i i think I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, 
but it was a good experience. But like I said before, you 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 learn a lot when you race and in a level you're not used to. And uh, I was fearing that uh, my swim was not going to be enough, and I started like uh, a bit behind the the front pack, and I gave everything I could in the swim, and 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 I managed to to be with the first group in T1, and then I was I was dying on the bike <laughs> after, right after, <laughs> but so there's some things you learn just racing, like like you said, it's. It's difficult, I guess, for a country the size of Brazil where football is so utterly dominant. Formula One, I guess, was for a time as well in the Senna era. But um, do you think it would take becoming world champ to, to, to kind of really put it on the map? Yeah, it's, it's my goal. <laughs> it is. Uh, we have, I think we have the best fans in the world. They like a lot to, to support uh, the especially the amateur triathletes they they love to support uh, the pro athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's becoming very popular, but I think we we don't ha- we still don't have this this uh, world champion kind of idol. <laughs> and I think that if someday we we can do that, I think this sport will 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 grow a lot faster. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Brazilian sport fans can be a tricky bunch, right? Rubens Barrichello, who followed in, I know he had big footsteps to, to follow, but he was given, yeah. he, he, you know, he won quite a lot of races in his time and he was given a hard ride as just sort of never being quite good enough, right? Yes. Yeah. It's quite hard sometimes. Like in Lisbon, uh, I got very criticized as well uh, because my wetsuit didn't open. So... It's quite hard sometimes, but most of the time they, they support a lot. And it's really nice, mm. uh, the support of them. Did you find that the majority of those sort of negative comments after Lisbon were from people who didn't really understand? You know, is it a case of keyboard warriors just wanting to seeing something and just commenting on it because they didn't really understand the situation? Was that and did that if that was the case did it make it easier to just sort of brush it off yeah i think so it was more like uh, they didn't know what was really going on in the race you know it's something that can happen uh with a world champion or olympic champion or or a young athlete it's something that can happen with everyone and unfortunately it happened with me but i had a uh, a race riding the day after so uh, I didn't have much time to, to think about that uh, I just I, I tried to not uh, be so much on Instagram on that day and just switch my focus to, to the race the next day so I think it, it worked uh, it was the first World Cup where I was on the front on swimming and on the bike, and uh, it was my first, it was my best World Cup result so far. And then I improved that in Watuko later that season. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's quite hard sometimes, but most of the time they support a lot and 
and it's really good for us, especially I hope hopefully we can have a WTCS race in Brazil in the future. Presumably the fact that it was the likes of Messias with you on the team there helped. I can I can only imagine they were utterly supportive of the situation, right? I mean Yeah, it was really supportive. Uh, to be honest, our chance to qualify there was really it was not too high, to be honest. It was just three spots and we didn't have much chance. Uh, I started, I think, my leg one and a half minutes after. So uh, being really realistic, we already knew that it was not going to be possible. So they was not mad at me. No. <laughs> they, they was very supportive and especially because they was already qualified to the to the Olympics, so this is not a, a big deal for them. But you know, some some Brazilian fans that didn't know that Messias, Lisa, and Vitória was already qualified, they was telling that I was they was blaming me because I I you know it was my fault because the Brazil is not going to be in the Olympics, but. Because they didn't know that Messias and the other guys was already qualified, yeah. and they thought it was my fault that Brazil is not going to be in Tokyo. <laughs> Jeez, and that was mainly through social media, was it? Was that like something that you posted and then people were commenting on, or no? And, and some triathlon Instagrams in Brazil uh, was posting some pictures of the situation. Yeah. And I saw some comments there, a lot of comments actually. <laughs> oh. But yeah, it's yeah, you have to get used to it uh, when you you're getting famous, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Well, that's a good attitude. I mean, well, and if, yeah, you've obviously dealt with it like very well, and you're still very young, and you're still going to have loads of opportunities. So that yeah, and in it's one of those, isn't it? Everyone always says it's like the big cliche that you just kind of learn from every situation. And yeah, I'm very proud that I could do, I think I could deal very well with this situation. Uh, so, because a couple of weeks later, I, I got on the podium for the first time and then I, I've done some good races after that. So I didn't let this to be a, a big thing on my season, you know, I just, I learned uh, from my mistakes and then uh, you have to switch the focus for the future and forget that that happened. And presumably, then, I like to think, sorry, presumably no, the, can talk. the classic example of some of the people that had given you a hard time on Lisbon, then just oh, what to call Miguel Miguel Hidalgo? He's performed amazingly. He's the future of Brazilian track. Yeah, exactly like, like that. Hmm. Exactly like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. Fickle bunch, definitely. Take it all with a pinch of salt, as they say. So your first, obviously, yeah, you you've just just back from Chile. Um, wind in your sails. You had a great Pan Americans in Cali, right? At the end of. Uh, in November, yeah. yeah. So you're feeling in pretty good shape and ready to attack 22. Yeah. Uh, I'm training 
and, and in base training again uh, right after the South Americans. And uh, I'm planning to go to Osaka and Yokohama right before the Olympic rankings to start in late, late in May. But uh, I'm planning to do all the WTCS season and to gain a lot more experience. And, you know, my main goal to the 2022 season is, you know, to be there in the mix, being a protagonist in the race, not just there, you know. And I think the results will be just a, a consequence of that, my attitude of my attitude racing, you know, and yeah, that's my main goal for, for the season. And if I, I, I would be very happy to, to be in a, in a WTCS podium for the first time in 2022, <laughs> it would be really nice. I, I don't know if, if it is, it is the right time, but it would be really nice if it happens in 2022. It's really the main goal that it is Paris 2024 and then Los Angeles. Well, we'd love to see you up there, Miguel. It'd be great to have Brazilian up there on that WTCS podium. And we wish you all the very best for for 22 and, and once the qualification gets underway. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Uh, I'm really honored to be here right. talking to you. Thank you. It's been great. All right. Take care. Thank you.